You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Hunt and Onyx Maps. Now, I got to have a a little heart-to-heart with you here real quick. I used Onyx Maps on my phone every single day during the hunting season whether i was out west during my elk hunt south dakota mule deer hunt or my rut vacation in iowa i was on my phone using onyx maps every part of the day whether i was looking at terrain features uh on the topographic and and satellite maps that they offer on their uh Uh, on their app or if I was leaving a waypoint like a watering hole or where I left my trail cameras or tree stands or if I was marking a route from a campsite to a glassing position or from my truck to a tree stand location I used Onyx Maps every single day and I feel like it's an app that made my life a little bit easier. I don't know about you, but uh, there's been times in the past where I have been trying to find a tree stand based off of memory and not off of looking at a map. And uh, I I have gotten lost in the dark before. I had to wait till sunup and then and then you know find it that way. But that problem does not exist anymore because of onyx and uh, there's a ton of other features that i think you guys need to check out go to onyxmaps.com and uh, check out uh, all the functionality of the app Uh, download it to your phone give it a try and when you do decide to purchase enter the discount code nation 20 n-a-t-i-o-n two zero and for new users you're going to receive 20% off. So, onyxmaps.com. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, guys, welcome back to another Land Legs podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. Happy New Year to everybody. I think New Year's will be, what, tomorrow when this releases. Yeah. Yep, right, so, on, uh, right on the day. So 2020, it's insane to think about it, that it's 2020. Um, but it's, it's going to be an exciting year. It's insane. Like We started this venture in, the, in December. Actually, I guess our official... Launch was January 1, 2017, but kind of drawn up in December of 2016. (laughs) Yeah, uh, real quick. (laughs) uh, Here we are now going into our uh, third year, fourth year, something like that. What is it? I guess it'd be our third final 
final year going, going into, into the, the fourth, fourth wrapping fourth up year three so yeah. a huge thank you to all you guys numbers are hard <laughs> yeah let's <laughs> talk give me give me true false give me true <laughs> false um Multiple but, uh, guess at least you know it's insane to think that we've been doing this now this is coming up on our 200th ish podcast and uh you know we we still have in the last week, Matt and I sat down and really started brainstorming podcast for the next couple of months, and it was insane the amount of uh, podcasts that we had lined out that we've never even touched on. And I, re- I really remember this. It was probably March of the first few months that we started really doing podcasts, and someone approached us and was like, you guys realize, like, the rate you're going, you should probably just like take some of the podcasts that you already have and just break them up, do like part one, two, and three. So you have like this continuum because there's only got to be so much information you can put out there. It's yeah. like, <laughs> you have I no idea. I, I appreciate your insight, but there's so much more to talk about. And, yeah. and yes, there are things that we talk about over and over, but it's because we see more people doing wrong things and that haven't yet heard the message or they're great examples of why you need to be doing yeah. this, this, and this. And we, and we could legitimately woo. every week sit down and do two podcasts where one podcast is nothing but debunking the stuff we've found on social media. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that from is, that week. <laughs> uh, yeah, from that week and say, okay, this is a post we saw, this is a post we saw, this is a video we saw. These are all the things that were released this week, and this is why they're false. Yes. And this is why they don't apply to true land management, holistic land management. Principles. And uh, w- and then we could flip on the second week and say, okay, this is what you should be doing to substitute that, whatever mm-hmm. was talked about on the other podcast. This is what we want to do because yeah. this is what's more beneficial to the land and all the flora, fauna, and wildlife species and it's not just focused on one species so we could legitimately so what we're saying is it's 2020 we're going into our fourth year and um we're gonna be here for the long haul lord willing uh uh, good lord willing the creek don't rise that's that's the phrase i was looking (laughs) for um we are here that we're here to stay and and really you know the concept there's a lot of reasons why land and legacy was created but for you guys, one of the big things that we we're doing here is to try to save you the time, save you the money um, from all the stuff that's out there. I mean, there is tons of videos, vloggers, bloggers, articles, uh, you name it. the The contents out there, land management, conservation, deer management, all those types of videos are out there. It's your head could spend 360 just trying to figure out what practice you should implement. Well, well, your head's going to spend 360, and then you're going to be so confused oh, that you don't take any steps. And it sits there and doesn't. no changes are made. It, you know what it kind of reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of, like, the exercise or workout industry. Like, there's so many different ways to, like, Diet. cut the fat, you know, yeah. trim, exercise, whatever, do this. It's like, guys – Eat healthy and exercise. Yeah. Those are the basics. Yeah. All this other fluff is is, is making you schemes. wasting your time. <laughs> and and that's why, yes, we're we're here and to save the time and the energy because 
these practices and specifically, there it goes, this podcast is going to break out how to do them and when to do them. And so it's like, that is the purpose. That is the reasons why there's so much information to be able to cover week in and week out. So we appreciate you listening. Yeah. And it's like 2020. There's some really cool podcasts that are going to be coming up. Yeah, I was going to – I meant to go back and look uh, to pull Wait, up while some you're of doing those. that, I think it's a like you and your wife listened online this morning, church. Yeah. I went – my wife was sleeping from working overnight, but I went and was uh, at service. But it was a great reminder of like this is not only 2020, like a new year going into it, but it's like a, a new decade. And, and like they talked about how much – lives can change in 10 years, this and that. But it was one of those moments where I was like, holy cow, yo, really this is a, a brand new starting point. Um, and there's just, there's so many things, I guess, in a year that's unfolded when I look back over 2019. Adam, you had a, a daughter. Like, that's crazy. Insane. She's already a year old now too. And it's just. Like, your life completely changed. Yeah. And. Well, that was actually 2018 when that happened, but... Oh, yeah, that's true. But late in the year. Yeah. Anyhow, there's just all these different observations and cool things that, that can be made. And, I, and I, I want to take the time to say, when you're out there working, because I'm, you and I both know we learn so much each and every time we're out there, just these different connections, these different um, intricacies of, of creation, how it's made, slow down, just think about it and just take it in, observe those and make sure while you're out there, you know, improving the land that you're understanding the purposes of why it's there and the responsibility that you have, let's say as a landowner, as a land manager, um, to do the right things. Yeah. One of the big things too, that we get the comment from our, from our clients is that our direction, our management plan, our advice is kind of a a reason now to we know what they know what they're doing, they know why they're doing it, they know what they're going to be doing a few months from now, and they have a direction knowing that it all connects. Plan. And I, well, I'm I'm putting this on the ground or I'm doing this practice right now because it's affecting the deer and it's affecting the quail, it's affecting the grouse, whatever what region they're in, whatever their focus is. What I'm doing right now is helping them during this span of time. Um, and overall, this is going to be long-lasting. I'm here that I'll be able to see this utilized for the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this whole, you know, this whole company brand is around a long-lasting um, effect in a positive note for wildlife and the, and the landscape. And so for us, that's been kind of like, you know, you move into a new year. It's always good to reflect on the past year. In the past year, we've been in a pile of states. We've helped a bunch of landowners across the country. And that's just a small part of what our overall mission and goal is. And and really, uh, when you look ahead 2020, I would like to say, I mean, we look at some of the new states we're going to be. We're going to be in Minnesota. Yep. That's going to be exciting. Oh, yeah. Um. Minnesota's coming up, and really, more videos come out, and, uh, and hopefully we can look back at this time next year and say, man, there was a lot more habitat that was put on the ground, a lot more landowners who were seeing their first covey of quail on a piece of ground they haven't seen in years, or 
Um, there's just a lot of great things happening. So um, I, I'm very excited for 2020. Definitely, definitely. There's just there's so many positives that could be taken away from it. One thing that we we haven't ever really done, and I think that we need to because you guys have been so good to us and, and following along consistently, um, but is this podcast here, start of a new year, trying something different, share this podcast with someone you've never shared it, you know, maybe a, a past podcast of ours with before, someone who's going to really – get this information, understand it, and take it and run with it. Because that, that then means that you guys are, are assisting people in improving X amount of acres as well with us. And so by sharing it with someone new, a new friend, a new landowner, uh, maybe someone that maybe, – maybe it's a landowner you want to hunt on and say, hey, this is, this is kind of like my mindset. This is what I want to do. This is kind of like the, the thoughts that I have, how I approach – land management i would i would want to do these types of practices i'd want to do that at these times take an hour to listen to this you know run through it um but just share it with someone new and we'd love that yeah absolutely it's one of those things that i don't i don't like to ask that a whole lot like even no, even our youtube channel go to our youtube channel and you'll see our videos <laughs> I don't even know the last six videos. I can assure you, you haven't seen anything other than a button at the very end of the video that says subscribe. Mm -hmm. I don't like to to beat you over the head with please subscribe, please subscribe. But it is a part of the business that we're in. It's yeah. your not only listening, but your support of sharing our content and subscribing to our YouTube channel. That helps us out in the long run and continues to help motivate us and inspire us and one of the great things is the more subscribers I notice that we get, the more comments we get about people wanting or certain videos or yep. they're wanting us to show them a different thing and or a different how-to. So the more interaction you guys do and comments and brainstorm with us, the more uh, videos we're going to do. And so um, that's, that's always a huge win. So 2020, please share our content with a friend or landowner, a neighbor, neighboring landowner, that may not be aware of of the information we're putting out there, um, and you know that's just as that's just a great thing for you to to do with your neighborhood. The more people in your neighborhood putting habitat on the ground, the better off you're going to be. It's oh, yeah. just one of those things that we're all in this together. The mindset of being an island and not wanting any of your neighbors to do is a very selfish mindset that should not be. Um, it's not something that's going to be for a, a long haul. It's a very, uh, it's a, sh it's a ship with holes in it. So, um, try to get your neighbors on board, talk to your neighbors. That's another thing you can do in 2020 talk, build a relationship with neighboring landowners, maybe share some, share some deer pictures. I know some of our clients who are having some of the best results are the ones who are on board with their neighbors and working together to try to, uh, pull the rope the same direction yeah absolutely i mean this podcast in particular would be fantastic to share with the neighbor and say hey listen this is this is what i'm doing this year i don't know if you want to be a part of that or join in but this is how i'm going to approach my land it'd be awesome if we could come together and make a greater larger impact uh, for the local deer herd so that's another great great person to be able to share this with but um we've got a couple new hats as well on the online store adam what what are those the, the new hats that are so we've got a, a blaze orange hat with our black logo 
um, Land of Legacy for Love of the Land logo on there. We've got a blaze orange hat that has the quail patch. So if you're an upland bird hunter and you're chasing quail, pheasants, even deer, and you like quail, that's a great hat for you. We also have the brown um, complete panel, six-panel uh, waterfowl no hat. Mesh. No mesh. No mesh, and, and it's unstructured. So we had a lot of guys asking for no mesh back. Um, because they needed the ba their bald head covered is what they told me. <laughs> so we yeah. have a brown hat that uh, has got the new waterfowl uh, wood duck patch on it. Of course, $5 go to Ducks Unlimited there. Um, but then we also have the tricolor um, amber, birch, amber, gold, birch, and white, I don't know, three-colored baby blue, white, and gold-colored hat. It's like our whitetail hat. It also has the waterfowl um wood ducks on it as well so four new hats um on the store shop landandlegacy.com perfect one th go ahead you want to jump right into this now i, I think it's going to be a long podcast yeah. so yep. it's important that we go ahead and get right into it um year in the life of a land manager grab uh, a pen and paper or get out a calendar don't care what you do make notes on your phone um but it's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. This we're, is going to be a long a, haul. We're taking a year month by month and breaking down all the different activities, habitat techniques um, that you could be or should be doing during that month of the year. Yes, there are some variations based on your latitude, um, area or region in which you live. We'll, we'll hit on those. Um, but it's important for us to break it down because – this, again, goes back to the mission of prioritizing and getting the best results you can. There are so many things out there that um, will steal your time, take your time, and leave you with poor results. Well, you left the worst part about Ooh. it. Take your time, take your money. No, oh, man. And still leave you with Give no results. Give me that money back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can't get either of those back. You know, it's like once it's done, it's done. Yeah, I'm sitting here going, how many in in this thing, uh, in this whole long list? So we're looking at calendar months, and and I'm trying to see how many in there we can we can make sponsor or product plugs the whole way through it, right? <laughs> very <laughs> no, few, very few, because this is just hard work and putting habitat on the ground from January to December. And and honestly, once it turns the the clock or calendar page turns back over, it, it's restart and do it again. Yeah. Because that's that's the crazy thing is there's not there's not a point of being finished. Or I, and no. I don't say that to to scare people off, but it's you go you go through a let's let's say a construction phase, and you might do that for a few years. Get that property I think in if, the shape. If you took this right here and you said for the next three years I'm going to do this every month. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then year four, five, six, and on down the road, you're doing more of a preventative maintenance. You're doing a rotation to keep it in a more beneficial state. You just Yeah, you just keep it in this state of optimization. And most of that can be done where that work is a heck of a lot less uh, backbreaking or intense. You can do a lot of acres in a short amount of time and short input, you know, small inputs. We're talking prescribed fire. We're talking um, herbicide, you know, usage and management, controlling invasives, or just removing unwanted species. But once you get there, 
It's almost like a cruise control. Yeah. Very few properties get there, but yeah. there is hope. And no, you're not done. By the time you work three, four years hard at this, honestly, you're going to love the work, love the results. You're not going to want to be finished. Yeah. So it's a good thing. But at the same time, you got to keep it in that in that state of just beautiful habitat. Yeah. And there's always something. You're that starting needs to out be the done. first couple of years. You're doing 80 <laughs> grit. You're trying to cover as much ground as possible. And then year four, five, six, and on down the road, you're doing 220. You're just trying to fine-tune it. Perfections at that point. No one's a perfectionist, and nature is chaotic. But that's the point where you get as close to perfection with managing natural resources as possible. I think somebody posted on our Facebook. uh, We we were posting some bedding tickets that clients had sent to us. Yeah. One guy posted and said that a tornado went through and he thought everything yes. was ruined. Yes. And his wife told him it'd be fine. And then he had – it's like two years later and he had the best season yet. <laughs> and and it's like chaos. Nature loves chaos. Yeah. And, and It's real. You know, my hometown, I think back to uh, – there's this giant deer everybody's talking about. And, you know, giant for the Ozarks. One guy swears it's 200 inches. Where and I think back and I and I think of where this buck is at, where people are seeing it, and I go back five years to this timber harvest that happened when everybody's like, "Have you seen how bad they wrecked the place?" Destroyed it, probably. Yeah, right? and and it's like, well, that's where that deer's living now. Yep. And so, yep. you know, there's a lot of great things about chaos, but this is a very um, this podcast is very uh, much. We have a plan in place. We know what we're doing this month, next month, and the next month. And let's be honest, fellas. There's not many of us that have a amount of time that's just, oh, let's go do this. Let's go do this. It's very much like when I go to the farm and when a lot of our clients go to the farm, it's like I need to know exactly what I'm doing. That way I can get as much done as possible because I'm going to run around like a madman until my time's up or my wife calls me and says I need to get home. Yep. And then I'm headed back and I'm thinking about, man, I wish I'd have done that. I wish I'd have done that. This is here. This podcast is coming to you. So you have an idea what you should be doing during this time frame. Remove, remove the stress of deciding what to do and just know that this is the window to do it. I'm going to do it now or here at this window and I'm getting it done and I'm not going to do these other projects at this time because that's not it's, it's not going to be the most effective or it's just not the right time for me. I'm doing this now. I get to the farm. I'm executing it. I'm going back home knowing I made a difference. Yes. And, and generally speaking, there's, there's three different, let's say, categories or groups that we can put a lot of these management practices into if we break down the year. Um, pretty much you've got like a, a dormant season and for many, and we're going to, we're going to say this, um, with a broad spectrum, trying to collect as many folks into this group as possible. But typically that dormant season is going to run mid October, um, early November through March. That That's the typical window dormant seasons for much of the, the whitetails range. That group or that, those dates have a specific like types of management that you should be doing and then there's like early growing season generally speaking april may time frame um and then there's the growing season june um through mid-october and there there's kind of your year but each one of those units or or blocks 
is specifically broken up based on the biology of plants and what's happening there. You're managing vegetation. And I think that's what's oftentimes just misunderstood is when we're talking about just overall land management, yes, wildlife is included in that, but you're managing plants. Yeah. Like the, I, everyone wants to manage, you know, imagine the deer, imagine the deer. But truthfully, you're managing the plants that the deer are utilizing either as forage or cover. Not just that, the soil where those yeah. plants grow. And you have to you have to take your take away from the the focus, the narrow focus on let's say the animal you're looking to harvest, but look at the resources and that which they're utilizing, and that's what you're doing. So to break these up, you're looking at the plant biology, which sounds boring as heck, but anything from germination, growing season, blooming, maturation of the species. Uh, when they're senescing, they're going into dormancy stage. All that plays a role into why and when these elements that we're going to talk about here in a second get utilized across a property. It's very specific, species spe- specific, and when to manage, um, let's say, hardwoods, when to manage Cerisa lespediza, when to manage um, food plots, when Push to manage yeah, all these things. They're different windows because they're different plants, but... You have to look at them and know them specifically to make the biggest impact. So here we go, January. I think January is one of those months that is, if I'm a landowner, that's like one of my favorite months to knock stuff out. It's cold. There's no ticks. There's no snakes. A lot of the work, I mean, this summer we were cutting and I about ran into a (laughs) copperhead. Um, yep. there's a lot of things that I love about working in January yep. and so it's a great time to do a lot of work um, one of my favorites during this time of the year is edge feathering Yep. Um, we're just coming out of deer season maybe I've set on several food plots and I go okay they like to they're coming out on the other end or they're coming out 90 yards away rather than 40 yards away they're hanging out in that end of the food plot how can I get to that end of the food plot or how can I bring them to this end of the food plot through edge feathering and steering or manipulating their trails with felling of trees? That's a fantastic hunting strategy. But then from the habitat side of that is we're putting we're putting acres of early successional cover, shrubs, woody cover, structure at the right forest. height, young forest, all of that right back into where it should be, a transition from field into hardwood timber that's like gone i mean pretty much gone from the landscape and a lot of people you read publications things like that not not many deer people talk about edge feathering period no but when you read up on it you know i'm talking 10 20 yards into you know from your field edge into your timber i don't care if someone goes 50 like that type of of habitat is super important. So the way I described it to a person the other day on social media was: picture a lake shore or a beach shore. Some places the soil is different, and the beach erodes further back into the woods or or into the landscape. The lake erodes back, and you have this big, long, a jag cove going way back. When other places, it may just be rock, and it's slamming against it for mm-hmm. hundreds of years. Same way with edge feathering. If you look at your edge of your food plot or crop field, okay, I just want to get 10 yards all the way. I just want to create a better edge. Well, then as you start going down that field edge, you notice where there's a whole string of 
species, I don't even know, let's just say elm or hackberry, that's going, you know, they're not as beneficial or I'm not I'm not really, I've got plenty of hackberry, I need to thin these yeah, out. I don't get into good quality species I'm for not cutting 50, a bunch 60 of oaks, yards. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and bounce back there. That's great. Sure. Or if you're just starting the, the um, edge feathering, the first year, just try to put 10 yards all the way around your food plots. That, that's the 80 grit. That's 80 come back, grit. Come back 220 when you really slow down and take a look at it. Be like, all those other species are bad, too. It's not doing anything good. I'm going to get in there and cut it. Yeah. Finish it out. Yeah. That's edge feathering, pretty much. And that, yeah, I mean, that's year one, two, three, four. Beautiful yeah. time of the year to do it. There's no leaves on the trees, so they fall and fell a lot easier. You can really see um, and have a better prediction of where the trees are going to go. So yep. this is a perfect time of the year to do And edge guys, feathering. don't worry. This isn't a three-hour podcast. We're <laughs> going to explain it when we get to it for the first time. Yep. But in future months, if we're, we're talking edge feathering, faster. we'll just say edge feathering. Yep. Um, and I think with edge feathering, that's one of those things, like you said, deer guys don't talk about it a lot. Um, sometimes I feel like we're we're bringing up when we start talking edge feathering to some people. It's like a it's something that's never been it's covered. Like a, it's huh? it's like I've never heard of that. And it's edge like it's been feathering. around forever. <laughs> like it, it was I bet, around a, a I bet a edge lot. feathering was was around before food plots were. Yeah, probably, uh, probably. But I can like. Every game species at some portion of the year needs cover just like that. Like, has to have it to persist and do really, really well. And it's one of those things that's so missing from the landscape. Like, we talk about this all the time. I was just thinking about it earlier. Man, I, I love deer, but sometimes I just wish they were more picky. Yeah. I really, I, and I, I don't mean that, but I mean that from a yeah. standpoint of it would make our jobs a little bit easier because it would be like, when when I say they need it, they need it, but some places don't don't have it, but they're still there. So it's like, dear, you kind of you ruined my point. But yeah. like quail from Kyle and Frank's, if it's not there, they're not they're, there. They are not there. Yeah. They are just very adaptable. Or rough grouse. Yes. Um, Even some of turkeys in some some places some, now. Yeah. You like massive massive wood blocks. They just don't have them because they don't have what they need in, as a part of their yearly. Um, I, and I'll never call myself a deer guy, and and there's one big reason why. If I pride myself on being a deer guy, hey, I can help you grow giant deer. Yeah, that's one thing that we've done and proven with past clients and the clients that we're working with. But it's it's real. It's it doesn't. It would not make me feel good to say I only care about big deer, and I continuing to kill 160s or whatever. And then somebody kills one of those guys down there and. Atlanta, Georgia, or around the suburbs where yeah. they're eating kudzu and Chinese privet, yeah. and they're killing 200s. Yep. Like, it kind of proves the point of maybe it's not all about just what you're doing. They're a very adaptable species. And uh, so what we do, focus on all the species. Like, if we've got a client who's killing giant deer, but then saying, hey, we're seeing more pheasants than we've ever seen, or we're seeing more quail than we've ever seen, we know we're doing something really, really special with the habitat, and that's our and, goal. And we know the byproduct of all this type of management that we're doing, it creates giant deer. Giant deer. So it's yeah. not like, that's not that's not a focus where we don't consider it. Obviously, we consider it, but it's one of those things of, I know it's going to happen when you do this. So yeah. edge feathering, super important. That's right. Bedding thickets, next Woo. thing. We, Temporary forest openings, whatever you want to call them. Mini, clear cuts. Miniature clear cuts. Uh, and, and the people get scared away from that term, but I am not scared at all to use it because every single year 
every single client that comes back and says, guys, I did it, and it was crazy good. Yeah. It's like I want everyone to call it a clear cut. Clear cut. No one should be scared of implementing these on the property because they're so beneficial. They're not that big. They're less than a, less than two acres. Yeah. Most time when you hear clear cut, you think of somebody clear cut the farm and it's two hundred acres clear cut, and you're going, "Oh my gosh, we're talking about less than two acres strategically placed on the landscape, fragmenting the to landscape. work with food plots, to work with water holes, to work with terrain, to where we can really kind of um, direct, like directionally place." deer travel patterns yep. uh, based on these bedding thickets. The, um, the biggest thing is to put deer in the right areas where you're not bumping them, where they feel safe, where the wind probably is swirling, um, where, again, you're, you're not bumping, you can traverse the farm, and that's where they're at during daylight hours. And you yeah. just you just know that. Yeah. It, you do it during this time frame because you got a chainsaw in your hand. It's a lot easier to trees fell trees without yep. leaves. Um, at the same time, a lot of your uh, understory trees, your flowering dogwoods, even your elms, um, some of your hickories, maples. maples, have already started forming buds. Yes, in January, they already have buds. Put them on And put the them ground. on the ground, and deer start eating them. We've got one client that tested a pile of corn with felled yeah. trees, and deer were eating the felled trees before they'd even touched the pile of corn. And, in fact, they said in the snow there was way more tracks it looked like a barnyard with tracks everywhere around felled trees versus the corn pile. So we've got a lot of clients doing this at the same time, but it's food on the ground, it's immediate cover, and it's not just for immediate food and immediate cover, but this is something that's going to last for years and years and years. And managing it with prescribed fire, you still keep it in a very beneficial state. Not only that, it helps with rough grouse, yep. uh, it helps with woodland species or oak savanna birds, you adding diversity to your landscape. Rabbits are um, yeah. helping wild turkey nesting cover. The yes. list goes on and on and on. So but bedding thickets, get them in during January is a great time, but there's there's a lot of other times you can do it too. Timber stand improvement, TSI. A lot of people hear TSI, don't know what stands for. There's also um, FSI, forest, forest stand improvements. Uh, whatever you want to term it, it's going in and making the the for species, the timber, um, you're improving those stands. And, and from a wildlife perspective, the goal is to either improve the mass production in that area so you have more forage because that's really the only benefit that a lot of those tree species then have for wildlife is, is the food production so we can increase it by eliminating competition in and around the crowns of specific trees like your white oaks, bur oaks, red oaks, black oaks. Um, and so you're going in and you're selecting poorly shaped trees, densely stacked areas that have uh, poor value. Um, you're going in and you're just selectively and intentionally singling out trees to remove, to improve, and reach your goals. Some you're, you're killing the weeds out of your timber. Yeah, a lot of times, sure. if you, if you want to think about it from a from a crop field standpoint or a garden standpoint, you're always dealing with weeds or species you don't want in your fields that are going to lower your yield. Um, if you've got weed trees, lower value invasive species in your timber, you're lowering lowering the yield you will get out of your crop trees. What, whether yeah, whether it is your your purpose is for for timber production in a specific area or your purpose is for more wildlife friendly, this is the time of the year to do TSI. Again, you got a chainsaw on your hand. You can cover a ton of ground. 
a ton. So, so far, this. the three main things are going to make one of the biggest impacts on the whole landscape if you're in timber country. Oh, Even man, if you're yeah. in crop country, though, and you have little wooded draws, these three things would greatly improve what you have going. Greatly so, improve it, for sure. Chainsaw. Yep. That's it. Hopefully, you got a chainsaw for Christmas. Oh, absolutely. Next up, prepare fire lines. Of course, fire lines, um, you could be burning. There's a, a big gap in... In, in the burning period, if you want to do dormant season fires or growing season fires, prepping fire lines is great. Um, it could be bush hogging old fields around the edge and putting in a disc line to prep, or it could be cutting a lane through the timber and getting ready to blow out the, the fire line or blow out the leaves with a backpack blower. But prepping, so when you do get those dry days later in January even or February or March, you're already there and your lines are in place, so you don't have to do much maintenance to get it ready so when you finally do get those uh, dry days, lower humidity, you can put the matches. It's definitely a preparation time frame. Yep. you, you got to do it because you're going to have uh, a ball game or something to go to the day before the great weather comes for prescribed fire, and you better have your fire lines in and prepared. doesn't take much time to do them. Next one. Next one is kind of a joke, but not really. Cut eastern red cedars. It's a great month to cut eastern red cedar. You're going to hear this one repetitive for the next 12 months. Um, it's always a great time to cut eastern yeah. red But it's always a great time to be looking at what is on your property that's taken up space from other species that could be way more beneficial to the wildlife. For sure. Uh, I think a lot of times we focus on what we can add. I've said this over and over, but we look at so-and-so or whatever is being sold to me on television or in the or in the sporting goods store that I can add to my land to make it more beneficial. But so many times we need to look at what I need to take away first to make my landscape more beneficial. Yeah. Next up. Removing dormant. first. Remove. 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 There's, Remove. there's not a ton of situations where it's like, Okay, you get to the – it's kind of like the maintenance phase. Like you have to get to the removing phase first before you kind of add and, yeah. and supplement things. If you if you have a house, you have to get rid of the old furniture <laughs> before you go bring in the new furniture. And yeah. a lot of times – Declutter. You have to declutter the Spring farm before you it. try to even think about bringing other stuff in. Yeah, 100, 100%. I, I honestly wish people would go and look at the place before you get online to buy something. Go and look at what needs to be taken out. First, yeah. think of think of it like a like a stuffy like your grandma's house with all the pictures on the wall. There's so much clutter and things that you just need to take it away, and then look. Say, do I need to add or supplement anything else? That's when you come in and maybe you purchase a product, maybe you do something, spruce it up. But many times it is a let's remove yeah. first. Yeah. So next up, we have dormant season disking in grass dominated fields. Um, so if you have your fields, you've planted whatever, uh, a mix of native grass and you need more forbs or your, uh, old CRP contract is up, but you've left it in CRP and it's kind of dominated by Indian grass, big blue stem or switch grass. And you're like, ah, I need more forbs. I need more food out there. I need more, uh, forbs. So I have more insects for pheasants or quail or more deer food, dormant season disking, um, this is to a promote super easy. promote annual. Basically, we're promoting annual forbs like common ragweed or pokeberry or um, old field aster. We're just trying to get. We're trying to add diversity. So dormant season disking, great time to do it. January. Absolutely. Next uh, up, oh. a lot of that can be too. Like in old fields, you mentioned like CRP. 
um, yep. fields. But this old fields that have gone to more grass dominant, you will see a shift if you're a guy who's managed old fields for a while, less forb dominated into grasses. This is when you come back in in those old field situations and and add in the forbs just by disking and exposing a little bit of the ground. Doesn't have to be it's not very deep tillage at all. It's just basically one single pass. You do them in strips, do them in blocks, whatever's necessary. Dormant season disking. Next one is building roads or just mapping, planning out roads, especially if the ground is frozen. You can get equipment in there. Um, there's not a lot of extra debris to be able to clear roads. You know, you don't have like the summertime, just vegetation everywhere. You can see, you can make a clear path. Um, so this is a good time to go ahead and mark them, get them cut in, dozed in. Um, cause then it's not super sloppy. And they could the also be great fire lines. If, if you yes. know, you know how much by now, if you listen podcast much, you know how much we love roads on the exterior of your property right around your borders so fire lines access trails for hunting it's a great time to put them in um, and while putting them in you're creating fire lines as well yep lastly for january scout Um, and this is kind of a combination scout slash shed hunt i know there's guys already finding sheds Um, and i'll be honest with you guys i'm not a huge shed hunter because time is very limited for me on on the farm and so i'll always go should i shed hunt or should i run a chainsaw or should i do habitat work i'll always choose the habitat work because that's more fun and it's more impactful for my hunting uh, for me so you know not to say you don't choose shed hunting but <laughs> i am gonna say i think sometimes we get a little bit too much addicted to shed hunting when we're missing a phenomenal window to be putting habitat on the ground i'd rather be adding food to the landscape than going to the best areas and pushing deer out when they're already stressed. Yeah. Bumping them around. But yeah, that's uh, it is a good time to scout. It is a good time to get out and walk a property and, and get to know Look how deer, deer sign it. and yep. figure out how you can Plan put in out. a bedding thicket or yep. put in edge feathering to figure out how you can manip- manipulate that next to your tree stand. Because we got a lot of good months for that, those activities to continue to occur. So for February. sure, February is very similar to, January, but you're getting a little bit closer to that growing season. Trees are starting to push buds a little bit more. Um, but at the same time, you know, f- here in the Midwest, that's when you start getting some more uh, lower humidity days. So you can start really looking at fire, yep. um, prescribed fire being a phenomenal tool in February. So that's why fire lines prep in January is more important than February. But at the same time, January, you can still do edge feathering. You can still do bedding thickets. You can still do timber stand improvement, but that's where we want to touch on the idea of different ways of timber stand improvement. So, gosh, it's there, like there's there's so many different ways to skin a cat. Let's yeah. let's let you know. Everyone knows that. Well, How what do you should kill I do a tree? Should I do that? Should I do this? It's like guys, there's there's probably ten different ways I could tell you to do it, but most importantly. Go out there and just make sure it gets done. That that's what we need to tackle first is make sure that this work gets done. We're talking about you know the difference between felling or girdling or using the hack and squirt method, whatever it is. Make sure the work gets done. But if you were to ask us, put put us a you know gun to our head and say, what do you guys typically do? We're pretty much felling trees or girdling them and yeah. applying herbicide to that girdle and trees. We don't want to fell. Um, or just you know, just because it's quicker, it's easier, it's safer, whatever it may be, we just don't want tons and tons of stems dead in a fire unit because everything's going to get burnt 
down the road. So typically we're putting it on the ground. That's food on the ground. We're utilizing that stump and that root system for additional forage and cover. But really, if you go out and you just cut the tree down, if you don't even use herbicide, we talked about this pre-show, most places you are in so much need of woody, shrubby cover Unless and buds. You're, if you're in the southeast or south southern part of the United States. Where your growing season's so long. Woody stem count is too high typically. You're you're wanting more herbaceous cover. Yeah. That's a huge difference between our management in the south versus the Midwest and north. And north. Yeah. You, uh, usually there's not a there's heavy not enough, enough. There's not enough heavy stem cover. So if you don't treat async unless it's an invasive or, or a really noxious tree if you don't treat any of the other ones. Tulip poplar would be one where yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. we might want to treat because those things grow. Or they do grow a sycamore. Crazy. Yep. Um, they grow so fast, and sometimes sassafras. They grow so fast, they can be poop right back up to um, Eight, too tall, tall in quick. no time. But for the most part, high. If you 80 grit in it. 80 grit cut it, Just cut them. <laughs> yeah. Cut it because now you got a, a, a lot of beneficial things. And you can always go back. Two, three years down the road, once you do get uh, re-sprouting, go back in with, with a backpack sprayer, spray them, do a foliar application. A lot e- easier to hit that bigger target and get those killed than a very small stem with herbicide when you're trying to go and just knock down a couple, three acres worth of TSI or edge feathering or bedding thicket, stopping every stem that you get to and treating. That, that's time-consuming. Yeah, um, that's right. Preparing fire lines, the prescribed fire in the timber, great months. Usually we get yep. five, six days, probably in the month, that typically speaking, that are really good fire days. Yeah. And we're typically region. on the road. <laughs> um, <laughs> prescribed fire in the timber, north slopes, where moisture yes. is usually high all the other months out of the year. You're looking at this. You want to burn on the north slope when the leaves have, have fallen and there's no leaves on the trees. And the humidity is low enough and, and the leaves are dried out enough that you can carry a fire through it. So February is a great month to burn north slopes. Um, so if you've done some bedding thickets on north slopes and you're trying to get some great regeneration of herbaceous plants or grasses, cut them in January, burn them in February. Definitely. Frost-seeding clover. Man, yep. depends on where you're at. Yep. You know, uh, it could be early or it could be late in some portions yep. uh, of, of the uh, reach. So we're trying to hit that middle ground. But um, frost seeding clover, typically four to five frosts left um, between, you know, between that, I guess, let's say just the last frost that's generally expected in your area. Um, make sure you're getting out there and frosting that clover. Perfect way to freshen up clover plots, fill them in, or just establish new ones um, in, in existing food plots or creating new areas for food plots. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, we're going into that now of trying to really manage our food plots. Even though there's a habitat-focused uh, year in the life of land manager, how many times do you see – when we're looking at this year in the life of land manager, when's the ideal time to, let's just say, frost seed? February or March, mm-hmm. depending on where you're at. But how many times do we see it going, ah, I, I forgot to do that. Let's try it in April. Let's try it in May. Maybe we'll get a few more rains. And we miss it. And then you just waste that seed, wasted your time, and you didn't get the the results you were looking for. That's why having the this laid out for you in this podcast will help you hopefully eliminate those times where 
you 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 left the family and you ran to the farm for a day to do some work and you did something and you got zero results out of it. What a waste. Yeah. Maybe you had some enjoyment maybe, out of yeah, it. Yeah, maybe what a you waste. cleared your mind, but you still want to accomplish you can, you can nothing. Clear, yeah, you can clear your mind and get results if you follow things like this. And again, yeah. we're not saying that there's not there's not leniencies or tolerances with some of this stuff, but this right here is going to get you really fine-tuned to what you should be doing and when you should be doing it. Yeah. Another dormant season disking. We yep. talked about it in the grass. Oh, um, you skipped one. one. of my favorites. Cutties uh, and red cedars. Cutties and red cedars, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget about that one, guys. Um but this is still a great one to do dormant season disking. And don't don't think about, uh, don't forget about, excuse me, doing it around the edges of your food plots. You'll have to plant every single square inch of a food plot. Many of the edges, probably if you haven't done your edge feathering, or even if you have, go and do those edges and just get annual weeds growing along the edge, transitioned into your shrubby, woody cover, then transition into your hardwoods. Just go around the edge, a pass or two, really, really light disc. And then plant the interior of that. Yeah. Another thing you could do is plant natives. Absolutely you could. Yeah. Plant native warm season grasses or, or forbs. Yep. 100%. Um, so that's all for February. Yep. March. Ooh. March is, is a great month for I can for hear the stuff crackling and fire. burning right now. Oh, man. If it's not too wet. So yep. some years March is a wash. Other years it's a great time to get fire on the ground. That's why having prescribed having your fire lines in place is important because you may go through two weeks where you're like it is so wet, and it can happen so fast in March. You get high winds, high winds, dry and lots of sun, fast. and it dries out fast. Really, really, and fast all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're ready for fire. Oh, you got to take that one dry day to prep a fire line, and then all of a sudden, day your moisture next level changes, or you don't have the right wind, yep. and you're out. So you ha that's why January, that's why we put prep fire lines January, February, because March is the really, you know, you might get you might get no days, but you might get 10 days that are decent fire days, and it's that's when you put the flame on the ground. You don't want to be messing around um, making those fire lines. Oh, we've, burnt, we've burnt grass fields or prairies two days after a rain yeah. in March because we got high winds and we got sun, and it just... Dried it, it out. out. Boom, you could burn. So we've got another great time, plant or frost seed clover, depending yep. on where you're at. You know, if you're still in the northern part of the country and you still have some snow on the ground and you've got a couple more frosts coming, it's a great time to frost seed. We're getting, we're starting to get into like that, the first parts of, of green up. We're getting some winter annuals probably coming in yep. to food plots. Soil temperatures are increasing a little bit. So with that, probably in the southern portions of the country or southern Midwest, you're getting some non-native cool season grasses that are starting to photosynthesize. And that's a great time to go ahead and apply an herbicide application um, to hit those as soon as they're photosynthesizing, greening up, taking that herbicide, they're depleted, their root system, uh, the nutrient stored there, and boom, you zap them. You get them out before natives have really started to grow. So you can do a non-selective herbicide like glyphosate application and just hit them move on that yep. area has changed forever forever hopefully yeah um next one you could do depending on where you're at you're starting to get some weeds starting to germinate in, in your perennial plots your perennial clover 
going to hit them with a pre-emergent herbicide while they're still young or right before they start to germinate. It's a great time of the year to do that. Um, Another thing you can do is plant natives. Yes. Once again, we're you, know, forget you think about of planting season being that April, May, June, or that Man. August, September. Well, planting season, depending on what you're doing, could be almost, it It really depends. But when we're I looking at natives, we're looking at that dormant season. 50 degrees, 55 degrees is about the top end for soil temperature for Forbes. I think it's about 60, 65 for grasses, ideally. And so... Much of much of March, you can go ahead and do that in a lot of places. Yep. Um, next thing you could do is cut out some red cedars. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> you yes, you know. could. <laughs> um, and uh, then finish TSIing. Yeah. So you know this is kind of that time frame where it probably wouldn't do it in the south, but you could still be doing it in the north. You don't want to be TSIing, um, doing large amounts of TSI when you're really pushing nutrients out when your trees are really starting to put on put on um, buds and the, leaves the and starting buds. to green up um, just because you know there are some bats in certain species that you really don't want to go and disturb by cutting a whole bunch of trees and so about March we shut down the TSI edge feathering um, bedding thickets and we wait until all leaves are on and then we may pick that back up again in late May or June Yep. And we'll continue that until, you know, and, August and or even into the... Herbicide, uh, if you're using that on the, the trees that you've felled or uh, trying to hack, that mobilization of nutrients up from the root system up to the canopy pushes out uh, a lot of herbicide. So yeah. it's just kind of ineffective. And, and there's other things that we can be doing for sure this this window. Like cutting transitioning. Cedars. Yeah, we're planting native. Yeah, are transitioning into April with soil temperatures climbing. We're see, we're seeing that we're going basically from that dormant season now into the early spring that we talked about earlier. Yeah, um, this this transitional. Okay, so now we shift and start to incorporate other things into our management um, during the early spring months. Yeah, April. April is you know if you're going now into uh, the Midwest and upper and and even northern the northern states. It's April could be the month that you're spraying non-native cool season grasses, yep. your turf grasses, your smooth brome, your tall fescue, removing those. So it really depends on what month uh, and your location for when you're going to spray them. But you're looking for those fields to be the only thing green um, and all your all your natives are still dormant um, that are going to be out in your old field. So removing those. And that's one of the biggest things to me if you're looking at a landscape of going, okay, if, if this is strictly recreational property and I have timber and I have old fields, TSI, bedding thickets, edge feathering, those three things are the biggest impact in my timber and old field management by spraying out turf grasses and non-natives um, and invasives. And boom, you if you just do those five things alone, your property and habitat is going to be greatly improved, probably more than any other project you could do on the whole landscape. Yeah, there's humongous possibilities there. So depending on where you're at, yeah, cool season grass is, is probably a great window to begin thinking about spraying, pe prepping it. Maybe it's prepping uh, your seed drill. Maybe it's prepping sprayers, making sure everything's ready for uh, the growing season. That that is rapidly approaching. You can do you know equipment maintenance um, as well. So if you're down south. To, to make clover plots um, that much more diverse through the actual growing season, provide them shade. You can even consider starting to plant buckwheat, cowpeas, or milo 
into the clover plots to add that diversity and make um, make basically those clover stands that much more attractive. And again, shade that clover so it doesn't go dormant during the months of July, August, when it's super hot and dry, um, especially in the south. Up north, this wouldn't be the window to do that. It may not be as necessary, um, but if you're wanting for long-term, long, you know, the longevity of clover plots, a great window to be able to do that. Of course, eastern red cedar, you can get after those jokers. <laughs> and then uh, prescribed fire, too. Don't forget April. We burnt um, right before turkey season last year timber. A lot yep. of people probably would have been looking at us like, man, that a lot got of people, aggressive with that fire. A lot of people say, you know, window, you don't want to cut it off when, when turkeys can be nesting or other birds can be nesting. But it's kind of site-specific if you, if you feel that you can sneak a fire in there and not be burning up nests. And and it, it might be small little pockets or units, multiple little units, yeah. and there's that fire that we did was tons. amazing. We oh, had yeah. a lot of our a lot of brambles and a lot of understory trees were already pushing up and already had a lot dogwoods, of dogwoods, red bud, uh, limbs or leaves, maple pushing, and we yeah. roasted it, and knocked them all back. Which was the goal, though. Which Every, was the goal. This, by golly. this is that window where it's like, okay, goal dependent. Um, a lot of times you can get fire still going in April with the yeah. right weather. Next up, Woo. May. I love May. It's one, chase turkeys, but then two, um, food plots. Food plots. You, you got to love prepping for food plots uh, and just getting on tractor, um, drilling in some hopefully diverse forages, opportunities. Um, and it's just fun. Mid- Midwest, uh, Mid Atlantic, the North. This is your window. This is your time to shine. When the crops go in in your area, if you have crops, Probably a good indication you should probably consider planting a food plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, r- start kind of removing invasives. Yes. Um, you can really start hammering out bush honeysuckle, autumn olive, Johnson grass even, even though it may be really young, Johnson grass. You can yep. be looking, if you're down south, go ahead and start getting after it. Um, and that's just, we're going to be waylaying invasives from now, from, from May till the <laughs> Until they're all gone. <laughs> until yeah, until they're done. Um, until you know, you'll see all the way into November. We're talking yeah. about invasives. So pretty much during from now till November, we're going to be talking about invasives. And, um, and if there's a priority, um, I, I, yeah, I'm going to place invasive species for the next few months very, very high on yeah. that list. Very and high. I, and f- not only priority for the next couple of months, but every property has your invasives. You have your non-natives that you need to take care of. Um, and you need to remove them. And uh, so that's why it's important to be IDing the plants. Learn the plants and learn the trees Got on to. your property. Um, Got to. Man, I mean, if you buy a house, you try to learn everything you can about that house, whether it's an HVAC or a wood stove or what kind of septic shingles or, or septic or a lagoon, surely. <laughs> like, you want to learn everything you can yeah. about it. So if you own land, let's learn what we have on it. And you have let's to. learn what species we need to avoid. You can't make proper management decisions when you can't ID plants. No. You can't. No. I don't know. I, I, I should have thought of a really good analogy, is but it's, it's like something. I don't know. Is this, I'll think of it. Is this my chance to rant about miscanthus? No, not yet. Oh. Well, <laughs> so miscanthus, it's, yeah. it's one of these things that uh, <laughs> if you don't know your tree species – you probably shouldn't consider planting non-natives uh, because there's a new fad, there's a new thing where uh, a, a certain species of miscanthus is out to where it's called sterile, but 
you can hop right over to a, a species that actually was one of them that helped create the hybrid, the Miscanthus gigantus, and we go to Miscanthus sinensis, which is Chinese silvergrass. And if you don't know the difference between the two, it's it's like knowing that it's like knowing not knowing the difference between a highly invasive plant and a plant that right now is considered sterile. Huge problem. So ID your plants, learn your plants, learn your trees. Super easy. iNaturalist app on your phone if you have a smartphone and uh, start learning your trees um, and especially start learning your invasives because from May till November, we're going to be getting after it. You better be having some herbicide ready. And, and, and it's not, it should not be overwhelming. No. It may take a little bit the first few years, but if you stay on it, year four, even year three, we're going to sit back, put it in cruise control, and start reaping the rewards. And, and a lot of times, I had this discussion um, early in the week, you may not ever reach 100% eradication. But if you have a problem, address the problem and get it knocked back to where it is a very manageable level every single year. It's not overwhelming. But those first couple treatments might be might be overwhelming to you. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I had to do this. I, I'm taken away from other things. That is super important because several years down the road when you when you don't address it and, and you've forgotten about it, you're going to look back and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I, I, I just put this in the back of my mind. Now I have years and years and years of, of hard, hard work to bring this field back or, or convert this timber stand back into something that's more productive because I, I just neglected it. Don't neglect it. Chip away at it. You can get down to a very manageable level in a few short years of intense management of natives or, or intense management of invasives excuse me um another thing during may is this is a, a great time we've had a flush of of vegetation growing get that first mowing along your roads done yeah just go in there clip it we're not that's about the only time we're we're really mowing especially yeah. early spring you're not gonna have a turkey hopefully laying an egg or quails uh probably right not laying in new trails because they were trail. bush hogs yeah at the end of growing season last year, last so year. thin, it's pretty safe time to do it. You could do that during during this time. Um, you can also down south. You've got probably good um, regeneration and growth at this time. Certainly, bahia or Bermuda grasses. Yep. Um, you can go and target those like you would have the non-native cool season grasses. Remove those if that's in your management plan. You're not having cattle. Um, these odd areas, whatever it may be, hit those. Um, and if you're doing strip spraying in old fields, maybe you have too many grasses and you chose not to disc or you didn't disc, spray out a couple sections. There's some yep. forbs. They'll come back in. It's growing season. If you're in the south or even in the Midwest and it's late May um, and leaves are already on now, you could do a little bit of bedding thicket expansion or your clear-cut expansion. Just take 10 yards all the way around the ring. I mean, Mississippi State did a great thing on mineral stumping. Mm-hmm. Um that you can be knocking that stuff out and adding some more cover, but getting some great stump sprouts that are highly sought after by the deer. Um, so you could be doing um, the expansion of, of your bedding thickets during May. Yep. Late May is great for um, June. We're going into June now. Once again, we're removing invasive species. Cerisa yep. lespediza, if you've got that in there, it's long before a bloom, go ahead and get after it. Um, IDing what plants you have, spotted knapweed. Yep. Um, if you have uh coral berry or buckbrush, um, 
that's one thing I want to go back and say probably before June. So I just mentioned that, and we're now in June, but let's go back to May. I know here in the Midwest and parts of the northern Midwest, even down south, Coralberry or Buckbrush is uh, is – can be a little bit aggressive. It's if if it's taking over some of your old fields, it's a great time to spray old it. Old fields, or you see it a lot in woodlots where there's cattle. Old he- old fence rows yeah, too. A bunch. It's not one like. It's just one of those like undesirables. It's, yeah. It, it, it can consume so some areas. It's a little aggressive. Yeah, but it's not like, it's it's not a Cerisa lespediza, but it's still one of those things that yeah, I'd rather something else be growing there. So, during the growing season, if you get too long into it. Those leaves on um, buckbrush get very, very waxy, a very tough cuticle area. So it's very hard for herbicide to actually adhere and not run off, but get into the actual cells of the leaves. So if you're choosing to spray that out or treat it, it's best to do it at the very beginning of spring, May time frame, where the leaves are more susceptible to taking in nutrients before they get that waxy coating on them. And there's many other leaves like that, like Oriental Bittersweet, um, any type of ivies that you may be dealing with if you're in a suburban area, the same thing goes for them. They're very waxy later into the growing season. So most times you have to go in early and treat them as a green back So back to June, we've got – you could be expanding bedding thickets again. Um, Now, when we say expanding, we don't typically – we may create small ones, half acre or less, but the biggest part of our bedding thickets get created in that dormant season, December, January, February, March, um, rather than going in and cutting all our bedding thickets in in June. Honestly, it's a really good time frame because most people don't go in the first time and cut enough. Uh-uh. They're very hesitant to go in and just clear cut. So yeah. they're going to leave some trees. Go back in June when it's leafed out. You have to have sunlight on the ground, getting to the ground throughout the day in those areas to get the regeneration. If it's shaded or partially shaded, you're going to have poorer success or the, the not the regeneration you want. So go back in, cut the trees that, that you should have cut in January, get them gone, but it's a great time to see how that area is responding, how sunlight's working in that area now that you have canopies. Yeah. Um, Fully uh, out. So another thing you can do is some more edge feathering. Yep. Um, and then last thing, we have monitor plant communities, improve plant ID skills. So once again, we're looking for more invasives. We're looking to start trying to ID what plants are actually growing in my old fields. You know, June, there's going to be a lot of flowering plants. Oh, if it's should an old be a field. bunch, yeah. And so you can start IDing and knowing, knowing what's there and if it's good, bad, or ugly. And, and monitor the browse situations there, too. Like... There's so many species that should be green. There should be ample forage across the landscape, and this is the time in the window to see what are deer preferring, what are turkeys preferring, where are they at, what are they doing, how are they using this this habitat? They have so much available to them, but what are the species that are are really are they keying in during this time window, and how can I best promote them down the road? So a lot of it's just observation this time frame. Yeah. July, July. It's is really very similar to June. Yeah, it is. Still hot, but. still obnoxious. <laughs> still ticks. Still ticks. Still but snakes, July, you're spiders. like, oh, we might be getting into seed ticks now. Yeah, yeah, But for sure. removing invasives, once again, pre-bloom on Cerisa lespediza. If you're here in the Midwest, we're trying to manage our old fields. So if there is multi-floral rose growing in your old fields. Japanese or honeysuckle. 
Yeah, Japanese honeysuckle or three celespides or a Johnson grass. We're going around and we're sweet spot, gums. Sweet gums. We're spot spraying our uh, with we're we've got a herbicide tank in the back. Yep. Filled with this glyphosate and or you can do even do a cocktail. Add some two four D into yeah, it. Yeah. And, and, and we're driving around with the wand in our hand and we're just spraying stuff and killing it out. From our old fields, field edges, food plot edges, whatever it is. Our edge feathered areas, um, we're just trying to ID what's going on. So it's hot, but get a little bit of a cool breeze. Don't Now you don't want to be spraying when it's too hot, but mm-hmm. find those days when... Or too early in the morning when there's heavy, heavy dews. Yeah. You really got to be considering that stuff. But you're just but driving around spraying. It's it's a lot. It's more fun than what you think. Yeah, like, you got the earbuds in. And you're just pow, pow, yeah. pow, killing and you're stuff. Just spraying stuff. Make an improvement. And and honestly, don't worry about, oh my gosh, I just, it, it was the size of a truck I just sprayed out. So what? There's going to be probably ragweed that comes back in there. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Or there's a really beneficial species just right over that's going to make seed that year and hopefully fall over and yeah. reseed that the next year. Yep. Bingo. Oh, man. So. Once again, we're monitoring the browse levels on natives at food plots. So July is a good time. You know, you've had two, maybe two months of growing in your food plots. You're going, ooh, those soybeans don't look too good. You're going, okay, maybe I need to think about what I have going on here. So July, early July is a great time. You could salvage a food plot by going, okay, it's being overbrowsed. I'm going to drill in some milo or I'm going to drill in some sun hemp or I'm going to drill in some cow peas, something else to try to salvage what's going on in my food plot if something it's getting overbrowsed. Something drought tolerant. Yeah. Don't just add more soybeans. Once again, we're monitoring our plant ID skills and we're trying to improve upon them. So every month there's going to be new flowering species on your farm on you know eastern gamma grass is is going to be flowering earlier in the summer than let's say indian grass so looking at those seed heads trying to id it know what it is take pictures of it so you can start remembering what you have and if it's good bad or ugly and uh, so july another great time to be out there doing that Prescribe fire if dry. Absolutely. If dry. That's a key. But usually humidity levels for us are are really pretty high. But um, there's windows and there's opportunities, especially, um, I mean, you can get it done in in the right areas. They're not very numerous days let's say and it's going to be a miserable fire oh, most gosh, likely that's why even small patches would be great you can if do got small old patches, fields yes. and, uh, a five acre old field we'll cut it in half just put a fire line all the way around it and split one right in the middle and just try to burn it mm-hmm. um if it gets dry enough you'll have diversity come back for sure yeah. in the next couple of years Mixing up that rotation of, of when that fire gets on the ground will will change the expression of plants in those areas for sure. Um, next up, trim trails keep roads from being taken over. So, um, you know, we've mowed the trails. Now we're trying to cut the limbs off the road. That way we're not slapping windshields or slapping Mirrors, shoulders or yeah. whatever um, or briars catching as you're driving by in your UTV or four-wheeler. July is a great time. Most of the growing has taken place now. Trimming those roads up, getting them ready for deer season. Great time. It's a, kind of a recreational aesthetic side of it, but it overall, uh, from a hunting standpoint, you're just making your property more uh, usable and leave less scent and just easier to access. So it's a great time. 
And then also July is a very hot month, so it's a great time to monitor water holes and water resources on your property. So if if you go through a severe drought and you notice most of your deer have left, uh, it's probably an indicator that they're having to go somewhere else for water. So that might be a great indication of going, okay, how can I get more water on my farm? And so, you know, there's some great government cost share to put in water, wildlife watering holes. Um, but uh, if, you, if, if you're looking at your property in July and you're going, man, this drought's really killing me, my deer are gone, um, maybe that's a pretty good indicator that you need to put some water on your farm. Definitely. August. August. Yes. Hate this month, but it's got my birthday <laughs> in it. And We've it's just... talked so many times about August, the month of August around this place. And it's like, take me to Wyoming somewhere else. <laughs> I just want to get out. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. It's August like is a great time for the last something. pass with the mower on the roadways. Uh, most shooting lanes and travel corridors and old fields and prairies. Like Start prepping for got, hunting season. Yeah. You know, where do you want deer traveling through your old fields? Snake them by um, a setup or make them, you know, cut through a pinch a little bit more than than years past. Whatever you had kind of experienced or, or observed in those January months when you're scouting, you can really affect deer movement for the next few months in these areas yep. just by mowing a path. Spraying invasives like Cerisa lespedeza, post-bloom or during bloom. Uh, and then Johnson grass by this point is going nuts. If yep. you have it, you can be spraying it out. Um, prescribed fire once again if it's dry. Um, upper Midwest and Midwest, you're going to be planting fall food plots. Um, you know, and and uh, some guys down south or you guys down south, we're not going to – it's probably a little bit too early because it can really get really hot, really dry for you. Same thing with the Midwest guys. That's what and we you dealt can with get, this, sh- you this year. You can get plants that have too much growing season left if yeah. you're planting them early and they mature, then they're not attractive during the actual Oats, fall months. Oats, cereal, rye, all yeah. that. Um not a great not, not a great time if you're down south. No. Don't do it too early. Treat unwanted trees with herbicide. Of course, August, depending on Midwest, upper Midwest, they're starting to send nutrients from up top down to the roots to store it up for the winter. So if you in- inject them with herbicide, it's going to be a great kill. So well, we, We've seen some trees in some areas that it gets so hot and so dry that they're, they're weakened at this point. Like yeah. they start to dry out bad. Yes, um, so that's a great thing. If you've got trees out in your old fields, and you're like, I need to get rid of those, it's a great time to treat them. Last thing in August, fix roadways to create ideal slope and runoff grade for fall hunting travel. So if you've got roads on your property and you're trying to combat erosion, this is one of the best times to be fixing your roadways, putting the ideal slope we want water to be running off your roads as quickly as possible and not running down the road but running straight off into the onto the onto the adjoining landscape and so if you do the work in august and with all your road travel through the hunting season and through the fall, fall with rains. freezing and thawing coming up you can really put the shape of the of the road that you need to Keep your road as passable for as long as possible. So it's a great time to be fixing them up with the box blade or blade or dozer, getting them ready. September. Woo, we finally made it. Now we're really kind of changing and getting out of like that the heat of the summer, senescent maturity of a lot of plants, a lot of early successional plants, 
is really happening. There's a, there's quite a bit of a shift here in September that we're seeing from plant species, but also um, then directly affecting the management of things. But food plots is really, really big September time frame, early September, um, and then getting late September in the south for planting your fall food plots. And the one thing that I think is hopefully growing is the broadcasting of cover crops in ag fields. If yep. you're a deer hunter, to spruce up your stand site to make, um, you know, maybe a 50-acre field much more attractive in your location. Plant two acres. Yep. Lower stress levels during the winter months. Yep. I think that's one big thing that, you know, a guy sent me a video of a, it was kind of a side-by-side comparison of one food plot variety versus another, and one was dominated by brassicas. Of course, right now, looks amazing. There's still leaves yeah. everywhere. But then you look <coughs> at the greens or the grains, and you're going, yeah, that's just a lot of greens. And I said, well, let's just keep monitoring it through the yep. winter months because those brassica leaves are going to get browse, and that those greens are going to start pumping it out. So yep. um, that's why a lot of cover crops have those cereal grains wheat, oats, rye um, in them because they can take a lot of abuse. And so, and grow much differently than, yeah. than the others. Uh, and then once again, September, we're planting wheat um, in our perennial food plots. So we've got clover plots. We're going to drill in some wheat or cereal rye. We're just drilling in some sort of grass that's an annual to try and not annual rye grass either no. into our clover plots to try to take up some of that nitrogen that the clover have fixated through the growing season. Lastly, for September, prescribed fire to promote forbs and slow the spread of woody stems. So I, I think that this is a really missed window for a lot of guys. Oh, for sure. Hunting season is already here, so we uh, just kind of totally, hang it, on the, hang it yeah. on the rack of being a land but manager. This, now I'm a hunter. This is, this is super important. A lot of times people do face a lot of woody encroachment. Um, we, we think woody encroachment is is really good in the right areas, but in in some portions, depending on your goals and objectives and the rest of the property, you might have too many. And as these stems are starting to uh, slow down on nutrient uptake and starting to store things in the root system, if you come in with a prescribed fire and cut off that transport, um, basically the xylem and the phloem, moving those nutrients to be able to store things throughout the winter in the root system, you've effectively terminated that tree or really slowed down it's regeneration and set back that woody sapling very, very. And you could do it a lot because September in our area can certainly be dry and hot uh, still. Most of the time all, it is. All, yeah. of the, all of the species are, are from a vegetation standpoint, herbaceous. Um, they're pretty much dried out. They're pretty much done. They've hit their window in late September. So you can rock some fires during this window. It's Next up, very October, planting trees and shrubs. So yeah. this kind of depends on if, you're, if your trees are dormant and you're going to purchase trees that are already dormant. It's best to be planting your trees when they're dormant. So if that is October, October is a great month for that. For some people, it may be November if you're down south. But planting trees and shrubs. So maybe you're planting some covey headquarters. You are uh, planting some shrubs for screens. Screening cover, for sure. Um, you're planting some shrubs for just improved bedding and open landscapes, or you're planting some fruit or nut-bearing trees around your food plots. Uh, it's a great time to do it. Another great time to spray non-native cool-season grasses like tall fescue, smooth brome, um, any of your cool-season turf grasses. And this only October is the month if you already have had a couple of hard frosts or the first hard frost. 
Um, so if you haven't had that frost yet, you need to wait for it to occur. For us this year, we could have been spraying um, spraying out turf grasses October 14th because we yep. had our first hard, hard, hard frost <laughs> October 13th. And here's here's one quick thing with that. A lot of times those fields, let's say it's a, a, just abandoned pastures that has a lot of cool season in it, um, but it probably also had some goldenrod, other blackberry in it. That stuff is still likely going to be standing. Um, and if you're trying to apply herbicide while it's still standing, you're going to get probably very patchy results. So it may be best to wait till spring to spray it once you maybe have a chance to brush hog it or run prescribed fire through the dead thatch um, and allow that goldenrod and blackberry to be laid down and then you get a more direct application of herbicide. kind of depends on the field, but um, if you're trying to go out there and you've got a lot of tall vegetation still and you're spraying through it, trying to get to the ground, you might have some poor results. So consider that as well. Or it well. could be running a bush hog high in the in, – in, let's say you killed a buck early September 15th or October 1st, run a bush hog high to knock that stuff down, give it a little bit of growing period to where it can grow back through that thatch and then hit it yeah, with some don't, herbicide. Yeah, we don't want to remove what little bit of cover there is. So changing changing that window. The next thing for October is plant cereal rye in areas of weak germination to try to provide more forage and cover the soil. So a lot of times, let's just say you have a big patch of crabgrass, and because of its allopathic tendencies, you drilled in fall food plots, and, you, of course, you sprayed right before that. You have weak spots in your food plot. Well, this is a great way to wear cereal rye, which can tolerate a little bit cooler weather. You can go ahead and broadcast cereal rye, even in crop fields. So that's another thing you can do in early October or mid-October if you're down south. Next up, November. Great month to be spraying bush honeysuckle before it loses leaves. Uh, being a non-native, uh, it's easy to see it during this time of the year. Once all of your, or during November, uh, once a lot of your native species have lost their leaves and you see these bright green bushes everywhere, well, that's probably bush honeysuckle. It's got red berries all over it. Spray the heck out of it. How many like hunting shows in the last five years Too have you many. started seeing those those rut hunts and it's just like, oh my gosh, all that they're it's they're understories bush honeysuckle. Hundred percent bush honeysuckle. It's like, y'all need to get in there. Y'all yeah. need to get in and work. <laughs> yeah, uh, another great month to plant trees and shrubs, uh, as long as your native yeah, trees sure. have gone dormant. Yep. Um, another thing, if depending on where you're at, it's a great month to spray non-native cool season grasses in old fields and field edges. How many times do you see? An old field or or the edge of a food plot or edge of a crop field, and it's like 20 yards or it's 10 yards, and it's just choked out with cool season turf grass. And it's like, well, those whole areas are pointless. It could be capturing a ton of a ton of sunlight and being so beneficial. When you add up 20 yards around an acre food plot or an acre opening, that's a lot of surface area right there. A so, lot. Spray those. Turn turn two nozzles off and one nozzle on and spray it. Yep. Um, of course, November, you can start, t as long as you've gone dormant, TSI and can start back up. Or edge feathering can start back up. Um, so November is a great month, even though a lot of us are hunting. If you tag out early, you can still do a lot of things to improve your farm. Mm -hmm. December, finally, the last month, we have spray non-native cool season grasses in old fields and field edges after frost. Um, you still need to be in, uh, your, your temperature needs to be warm enough in the fifties, sixties that day 
um, to where you can actually get some photosynthesizing going on, and it's actually going to take that herbicide in. Uh, but also, um, you want to make sure it's still green and not. So that's going to, December, it could be really beneficial, or it could be one where you have to wait till March. Yeah, w just watch your forecast for sure. Um, then TSI, once again, picks back up. Edge feathering again. Dormant season disking is a new one that you could add to it. Talked about it earlier in the in the spring, but now we're December back in is that window. a great time to d be doing dormant season disking. It's also a great time to be planting native grasses and forbs. There is a very, very encompassing list of just activity after oh, activity. I after need to activity. cover something for the last four months that I didn't cut east. I think they already know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's those are the the high the high points throughout a year. Yes, every property is going to have different things to be able to hit and cover um, and do and address. But I would say eighty percent of the properties, if if you guys followed this breakdown from um, month to month to month and just did that work, devote devote a Saturday each month to it, you can make such a big impact, such a big impact. That's going to yield results. It's not going to waste your time. Um, this is where you're going to be the most effective. So just get out there and, and do it. And hopefully yeah. you share this with someone who may be struggling, maybe new to land management, um, just needs that additional information, that edge, and, and this will be beneficial for them. Yep. Right. It's definitely something that hopefully will help them prioritize and have management with meaning to where we know what we're doing, we know – how we're getting, we know the direction we're headed, and there's light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes it can be very overwhelming to think, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get this woodlot to where I want it to or need it to be. But if even if, you know, we mentioned several months, you can be TSI. Let's just say for this month, I'm going to take this 10 acres and I'm going to try to knock that out. Uh, as long as you get the skill down and you're using a chain, a good sharp chainsaw and your buddy's running herbicide behind you, you could just girdle a whole lot of trees. A ton. And, and in no time be Quickly. knocking stuff out. Yep. Um, now, girdling and spraying is not our ideal scenario. We would probably do more of like a bullseye effect to where the interior would be girdle and spray, and then on the exterior we may just cut and fell. Yep. Um, That's for prescribed fire reasons. And yes. Having Dead snags. Dead snags on a, f on a fire unit is like, ugh. ugh you know, cancer. one thing we didn't really mention, and it, and it, it honestly is one of those things that it's kind of up to, let's say, the contractor himself, but it's logging operations. Logging operations honestly falls kind of whenever, wherever, weather dependent. Um, it's probably best when the crew is, is either local or has the time to get there. But if we had to pick a time where we're like, okay, I'd, I'd like a lot of the logging to go on during this window do I, you have a I, sp specific time frame when you're like that's the window that i'd like <laughs> to see it unfortunately in my experience with logging <laughs> it would be like the quickest you can get here yeah when i would like him to avoid um the wet season so yes. it could be the dry season of summer or the cold season of winter yep. but in the winter you flirt with getting really cold and a lot of parts break i'd like I, i'd like to see that Roll in the last part of May, work hard throughout the summer, and get out of there. Yeah. But that's not always the case. We, we've we had logging operations going on during the middle of hunting. I think your brother and I, we hunted a – maybe that was you. 
hunted a stand and could hear the log like chainsaw just just on the other side of the ridge. It's like, well, whatever. Yeah. Cuddy links are showing there's deer here, so I ain't worried about it. But we're just talking preferences. Yeah. Um, but regardless, if, if you guys like this podcast, share it with someone. Ooh. There are we cover all these other these techniques and specifics within these techniques um, in other podcasts. Go back and, and more search videos them. coming to explain the technique and For sure. see how to uh, edge feather, create yep. bedding thickets, spray cool season grass, how not to hinge cut, yeah. how to plant miscanthus gigantus. Wow, 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 wow! Don't plant miscanthus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'll be a short video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bag going to the trash can. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, 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 please subscribe to our channel on YouTube, Landon Legacy. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and you know, guys, just once again, enjoy 2020. And uh, this is your game plan. This go is, execute. Yeah, yeah. Share share the evidence and the uh, all the proof of your work with us. We love we love send getting us, that feedback. Send us some before and after yes. shots. And you know, if you send us one and we like it, we may send you a hat. Um, and post and share with everybody on on social media as well. So, anyway, guys, appreciate you coming back once again, and happy new year. We'll see you next yep. week.